Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. I swear to fucking God, Chris, I'll turn this fucking car around! Shut the fuck up! And welcome back to the Soundtrack to a Life, the show where I tell other people to bring me records because I can't stand to make my own decisions about what to listen to. Indecisiveness! Woo! <laughs> With me once again is Andy. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm having a time. You excited about moving? No! Are you low-key panicked about moving? Fucking, what's low-key? I'm high-key everything. Welcome to Permanent Anxiety. Soon I... your back will start to hurt. That won't end either. So you say permanent, and you're welcoming me now, but this has been a thing since I was ten. <laughs> I've been the anxious person in all of my friend groups. I can't send a text without freaking out. It took like 30 tries for me to write a proper email being like, Hi, I'd like to look at your place. Oh, heavens. Here's what you do. <laughs> You write one... Oh, that's what I did! Write one formal email once. Yeah, and then copy-paste it. Copy-paste it with the relevant information under every circumstance. See, that's what I did! And, like, I wrote an email, like, I put the email, copy-pasted it in the rent faster, because I was also looking at, like, studio apartments for myself. It ended up being a shared accommodation place with, like, the loveliest landlords. They're so nice. Like, so nice. And all the other places were sketchy and expensive, so... I'm really happy with the place I got. Sketchy and expensive? Well, like, okay... Your the... apartment should only be one of those things. <laughs> the cheapest one was so sketchy. It was like a five-minute walk from the university, but it looked like it was a drug den. So I was like, thanks! And then we walked away and we were like, no! <laughs> yeah, if you might get murdered, it should at least save you 300 bucks. Well, I mean, it was 410 and the place I'm at right now is like 500 and that was the cheapest out of all of them. After that, it was like five fifty, six hundred, and then like the studio apartment was like seven fifty. And I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't like this. And rent outside of Calgary is so reasonable. I don't know. I haven't looked at the renting places in Calgary. <laughs> You're fortunate that you won't have to for a number of years. Yeah, thank God. And Andy and I are here to talk about today McCafferty's 2014 album Beach Boy. Tell me about this piece of music. What does this mean to you? What's your relationship with it? Do you know about TikTok? Tell me about TikTok. So, people are hearkening it as the second coming of Vine. Perfect. Well, now. They used to make fun of it because it was like that thing where like everyone's lip syncing to like lyrics and doing these weird trends. Like, why do good girls like bad guys and all that BS. Similar to like, trends like were similar to the Don't Judge Me Challenge. But there was this one trend that came from the song Beach Boy, off, uh, the, the single off of this album, involving the lines of, and she's on top of me and it's hot, hot, hot. Uh, so she says, come on, sweetheart, take him off. So then I take him off. So then we take him off. And then her dad walks in. Oh, shit, her dad walks in. That was the first time I realized I was listening to another McCafferty song. The actual first time I actually listened to a McCafferty song, I was not feeling good. And my friend was like, okay, I know you're in like a funk and you like listening to music. Listen to Alligator Skin Boots because you will feel better. Like it is such a sad song that it just kind of steals the sadness away from you. Like, listening to the lyrics, you're like, holy shit, and then you just cry, and then you're good. And also, like, the song has a, like, really emotional attachment for me, because it's kind of what it ended up being the first song. Spotify has a very weird thing for coincidences. Um, after a very close family member of mine, my dog, passed away, I put on my Spotify on shuffle, and that was the first song that played, and I was like, oh, okay. 
So I'm crying now, even more. But um, the whole album is beautifully chaotic, in my opinion. Like, McCafferty has a, uh, finds a way to scream lyrics and still sound gorgeous. Because I don't, I don't like screamo bands. I don't like that. But I listen to them, and they're screaming the words and all of these. Like, 90% of the time, they are actually screaming. And I'm pretty sure they can barely talk anymore because of it. And it still sounds good. It still sounds musically beautiful. And it's less than a half hour, but it's so well put together. And it sounds like a story. I can't, like, figure out this plot line to this story. But it starts with dead bird and that's like the starting of story and then you go through the highs and lows and then you get to blue eyes like the devil's water and that's the ending and then you get the epilogue of details for me i was listening to it i was like blue eyes like the devil's water is a good ending like it should end on that but then you get details and i'm like this gives me epilogue vibes like this is after the after stuff the action's taking place and i do actually enjoy how short this record is mm-hmm. uh, compared to the last one it was very long, although the original version was not. Yeah. Like, the vinyl version fits on one record. Yeah. But yeah, this comes in at 29 minutes, 9 seconds, and that is one of my favorite things about music in the age of Spotify. Mm-hmm. An artist can produce and release whatever amount of music is right for the project that they're doing, and if that is some weird mid-length between an EP and an album, yeah, nobody's going to call them on it. They're yeah. just going to scream it anyway, as opposed to CD or vinyl or cassette yeah which all had kind of built-in expectations oh you have to be this long to fit the whole thing or just one side like you have to have a certain amount with this it's like they came out right at the beginning of spotify i think or around that time they probably did have a cd but they were lucky enough that they were able to put themselves on streaming platform and just go Mm -hmm. yeah this is made for streaming platform somebody who bought a cd that was this length Mm -hmm. would probably be real real bad in spite of the fact that during the CD's heyday, every record was too long. Yeah. Just every single one, mm-hmm. no exceptions. I had Mike on talking about my favorite Prince record, mm-hmm. which was like an hour 20 because he had the technology to do that. And even he was acknowledging it dragged a little in the middle. <laughs> dragged a little in the middle. I disagree because this was the record that introduced me as a 14-year-old to Prince. <laughs> <laughs> So, like... Hearing re- what he said about listening to that Prince... I'm gonna stand for that record. Hearing what he said about that Prince record, he's, like, listening to his other records. They're also, like, at least the one before this. It's, like, so kind of, like, radio-friendly. And then you listen to the one that Chris gave me, and I'm like, what the fuck? You should feel violated by this <laughs> Prince record. And, yeah, I wouldn't want this to be any longer. Like, it's short and it's punchy, and that's part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. I could listen to McCafferty for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine with that being three different records that I've chosen from their catalog. I'm fine with listening to this whole album three times, personally. Yeah, absolutely. They kept what was good, and that happened to be 29 minutes. Yeah. And a lot of musicians, Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm looking at you, could learn. (laughs) Every Red Hot Chili Peppers has a dope half hour buried in there somewhere. Maybe you've got to splice it together. Sometimes it's lost in the middle of a three-hour-long two-CD set. Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> I only listen to their singles, so I don't have to deal with that. That's a great call. Yeah. That's a great call. <laughs> yeah. Even the ones that I liked from the 90s, going back and re-listening to them now, there's a lot in there that doesn't need to be. Yeah. I appreciate as well that we each brought the other, mm-hmm. a punk band, but not like a regular punk band. Yeah, yeah. Like, Yeah, I was like, like, you know, well, I was talking about this with my dad, 
he was one of the first people I showed this album to after I fully listened to it myself. And I showed him specifically Beach Boy, mostly because the beginning is like the funniest shit to me, where you hear them like actually like having a quote unquote conversation, which is mostly the parents screaming at the kids in the back of the car on their way to a beach. And my dad just started laughing. And he was like, you should definitely show this to Chris next time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's part on my list. I'm, I've got a growing list for you. Yeah, it's real good. Because, yeah, you're showing up with an acoustic family punk band. Yeah. This is a band made up of family members. Hey! Going back to... <laughs> <laughs> Shit! But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I've said previously, I don't actually look into a lot of the band, like, what's behind them. I look into their music. Do I like your music? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. enough for me. I will listen to it. And it just depends on the band, I guess, that yeah. I'm, like, interested in. I don't know. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a married couple. Neil Finn did a similar thing. He and his wife formed a band after their kids mm -hmm. moved out. Tom, um, Mom, take pins. <laughs> Get a dog, form a band. Not the worst plan. Yeah. Granted, they had the fact that he was a member of Crowded House uh, through the 80s and recorded one of the most iconic love songs of all time. So that got their band a lot more attention. Good point. But yeah, family members can work in bands. I guess. If you didn't listen to our episode from two weeks ago, none of this makes any sense to you. Go back and listen to it and then come back. Well, wait. You're right about his voice. Like, it's really... It's not like a screamo voice, but he is yelling a lot of the lyrics. Patrick Stump. There's like a strangled yeah. quality yeah. to it. But then he him. also, like, harmonizes with himself. Yeah. In a nice tone. Like, he's screaming, and then he finds a way to find a note on top of that and harmonize and make it sound... Nice and crunchy, but also nice and sweet. Like, it's hard to explain. You have to listen to it to understand. But it's wild. Yeah. Like, you think, okay, so hearkening back to the Fall Boy, he yells. He has, like, a strong voice. He can do what he wants. He can belt. But it's not screaming. Whereas, literally, this one is screaming 90% of the time. A lot of the time, yeah. Yeah. He sounds like almost a higher energy, summertime, fun time version of, like, a mountain goat. <laughs> Yeah. Or like a clap your hands, say yeah. Yeah. Who, although this doesn't matter, but I found it interesting, mm -hmm. also exists because of a social media phenomenon. <laughs> clap your hands, say yeah, I believe was one of the first bands to break really big off MySpace. <laughs> nice. But it's got the same, that same kind of auteur quality to it. Like mm -hmm. That same yearning to the vocals. Yeah. But you can dance to it. Yeah. And yeah. you can imagine a crowd of people at a festival scream chanting get drunk get fucked up yeah with them yeah in a way that mountain goats crowds aren't going to be coming in drunk and rowdy in the same way yeah and just the lines in some of this like oh my god i think it's bottom in the song bottom you hear uh what's up i like your collarbones i stole all my lines from a guy named brian that was a great line that's a, and then they just repeat it or wait is just like they just say one line yeah. i think and then repeat it multiple times it's wonderful. There's something about this album that, unlike all of the, uh, like, literally pulling from the music from the 80s that I listened to, like, even all the way back to all of my music, there's no, no one who can do something like that, I think, in my music collection. They are the one in a million that can do one song that has the same line repeated over and over again, one song that makes me fucking sob at the end, and makes, especially, like, for me, like, listening to Blue Eyes Like the Devil's Water, especially with the ending, when they talk about, like, uh, sitting at the back of their porch, drinking beer that they stole from their parents, and just having fun as kids, that, for someone who's graduating high school, hit me hard. Like, really hard. 
and like moving away and just oh my god it's like i don't think i ever found anything like that and it was wonderful stumbling and i recently may i think was the first time i listened to the whole album like this may so it's like how i, I was missing out for like five years guys yeah this has been out forever yeah five years is a long time in the music industry i think i got a full another record after this i know I, I haven't listened to that one yet because i'm kind of too attached to this one and i don't want to be like oh no they suck now that would be such a downer. Yeah, that would be so such a downer. part of me is like kind to discover of... discover a five-year-old record, <laughs> have it change your life forever, yeah. and put everything that you've been meaning to say into perfect perspective, mm-hmm. realize that they have a whole catalog, listen to the next one, and it sucks. Yeah. Though I think what I'll do is probably don't let the next one and be like, okay, I'm giving you a shot, but if you suck any, if you are nothing like... Like, I can't expect it to be exactly like Beach Boy. If you can try and make it even half as good as Beach Boy, I'll give you a chance. Yeah. But, like... I'm pretty sure it's great. I, I hope so. I hope so. What are they on, like, a four-year schedule? They're clearly releasing the amount of music that they want at the rate that it is finished. Harkening back to last for week. A, for a record that sounds this ramshackle, mm-hmm. they're clearly putting in some very strict quality control yeah, over yeah. what they release. And I love how ramshackle this, this sounds. Like, you get the vibe that this was recorded very quickly on the cheap. I feel like it was recorded in a van. Yeah, in a way that captures a lot of first-take energy. I feel like they only, it's one take. They just do one take and they go. If they have, like, other things that have to loop with it, or, like, other things to have, like, the conversations and all of that, they'll do, like, another take, but it's just for that. They won't fix any of the main music. Hell, they could probably even do, like, the soundcheck tape and put that in, and it'd probably be that. Like, honestly, I'm here for that. Yeah, it's a really raw and really fresh and really vibrant sounding because of it. Yeah. When we talked about during Fall Out Boy, how slickly they were produced Mm -hmm. and how that kind of isn't what punk sounded like in my brain. It was more pop punk than anything. This is what I mean. Yeah. This is what punk is meant to sound like in my brain. Yep. Blitz it out. We're all doing it DIY. Mm-hmm. I'm aware that in 2019, everybody on their laptop has the technology to produce a flawless sounding auto tune record. Don't call me out like this. <laughs> don't call me out. I'm with... just saying that you don't always have to. You're making a punk record. Take the first take and release it raw. Well, that's what I did with my first two releases. On my sound, uh, on my Bandcamp, I have him and I have you, and those were my first two. And so him was one I recorded like a workshop for learning how to record and getting all the stuff for that i did two takes for that one and then i was done and then we mixed it and it doesn't sound as good like the final product because i still have to re-record it for my ep will sound different and you i wrote in january and have changed so much that it doesn't sound at all the same so it's it and that was also first take but it was also like 10 p.m when i started doing that so i was like i can't take three hours working on this (laughs) to sleep no that checks out but then you get to like my next one and i'm like that one's super produced because there's so many like when i wrote the song i had so many ideas that i wanted i knew how to do and i wanted to put in so i was like i have to add more and more layers and then if something doesn't sync up i have to do it all over again Oof. so that was a good four hours of my time wasted <laughs> i mean well not wasted if but you just, got the thing that you wanted out yeah the end, it was time well spent yeah with these guys it's just it's so flawless but flawed like they're very contradictory, in my opinion. It sounds flawless. Yeah. But it is very flawed yeah. in the emotions and the lyrics of it all. It's deeply flawed in a way that is perfect. Mm-hmm. I was also surprised uh, by the song Becky. You wouldn't expect... Something like that. A single riff 
and one vocal on an acoustic guitar to have that much drive and urgency. Makes me want to cry. Like 90%. I think Beach Boy, Bottom, and Details are the three songs on this album. There's ten songs on this album. So the other seven make me cry. Like, I will cry listening to them. But those three will make me either laugh or stuff like that. Especially, like, Details. Details just makes fun of everything. I love it. Hipsters with their thick-rimmed opinions. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, there's a lot of really cute wordplay. Yeah, so wonderful. To this that comes off really well. So wonderful. So, I think, okay, if you know Castle on the Hill by Ed Sheeran, you gotta poke fun at Ed Sheeran, like, fucking Ed Sheeran. Um, but you Ed know, Sheeran's good at his job. He's good at his job, it's just so... He's a weird rock star, but he is good at writing songs. Yeah, and he should not be on Game of Thrones. There we go. <laughs> what? What was wrong with Ed Sheeran on Game of Thrones? Pointless. Yeah, but he wanted to show up. No. Every single stormtrooper in every Star Wars movie is somebody has famous who has begged a friend to get them on Star Wars. Okay, good point. Good point. Billie Eilish did a re-recorded version of her first song with Justin Bieber. No. Well. That wasn't her first song. Her it was first, the first really giant one. No. The first one that made her famous enough that she could get Justin Bieber. No. Getting Bieber was the first thing she did. I think you have a confused timeline on Billie Eilish. I'm an actual Billie Eilish fan here. So it's like, no, that was like the breakout song from her album. Yeah. But her first really big song was uh, Ocean Eyes. And then, and she hates that. She hates that song. It's interesting. She hates it because she wrote it when she was like 13. And understand, I hate the shit I wrote when I was 13. Yeah, but when you're going to be famous when you're 17, you're going to fucking release hate, songs yeah. when you're 13. But no. Um, Try to lean into it. Yeah, that was, Bad Guy was the song that came out, that like the single that released with the album. Yeah. And, yeah, she w- she talks about it all the time, that she's, like, in love with Justin Bieber, and she finds him, like, the coolest guy. Yeah. And then she got to do a thing, and honestly, I think it made the wor- song worse, but that's just my opinion. Probably, and... but it's not about making the song better. <sighs> it's about Billie Eilish using her fame yeah. to meet the dude that she had a crush on when she was 13. That's pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> but it also hurts my feeling we're, like, the same age. She's already, like, a fucking pop oh, star. God. Well, I can't compare myself to her. I'd make myself so depressed so fast. She's dope as fuck. Yeah, she's awesome, though. I, I love her music. I love the fact that just as a generation, your generation's first big swing at creating culture of your own mm-hmm. has been high school goth girls doing trip-hop records. Yeah. I am here for that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I'm pretty here for that. And, like, you know what's a trip? Listen to that while you're jet-legged at 5 in the morning right after it comes out because that's how I first heard it because it came out right after it. Like, Literally the day after I came back from Germany, it was five in the morning. I was awake because I was jet lagged. And I was like, oh, Billie Eilish's stuff is out. Okay, now I'm like, I'm just sitting here listening to this, trying not to be awake. But it was really good. It was really good. It was very good. And I feel like I like bringing, other than Fall Out Boy, I like bringing artists who are very personal and not famous. Like, that's my thing. Famous artists are doing fine. They're doing fine. I don't need to give them my appreciation and recognition. And I'm betting um, McCafferty kills it live. I really, I really wish I could see them live. Well, are they doing a thing? No. Uh, <laughs> ever since I the got, first episode, I got I'm like, that one time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here. I did check. They are touring the hell through the American Southwest. I'm not. If anywhere. you're in Arizona, California, or Nevada at all. No. <laughs> no. No, that's not helpful to either one of us. No. Uh, I'm broke. Any money I was planning on spending on a show to go see for my birthday was um, Riot Fest because Bikini Kill was headlining, and I was like, gotta go to Chicago for that. 
but now it's August and that show's in like four weeks and I'm like, no, I don't money. have a thousand dollars. You got student money. I have student loans that I'm going to pay for my first movie ticket to it. I'm excited for that movie. It's going to be a good movie. I'm so excited for it. Or it'll be a bad movie. No. Hear I... me out. Everything good from the Stephen King book, It, was in the first movie. And then they shifted everything that didn't really work to the second movie. So maybe they fixed problems and it'll be great. I mean, Stephen King gave it his seal of approval. That's, and also... That's a red flag. <laughs> Did he give it his Stephen, seal of approval? Stephen King prefers the made-for-TV version of The Shining better than the uh, Jack Nicholson one. I haven't seen the made-for-TV. It's a movie. <laughs> it ran on TV. And you can't take that away from it. Okay, yeah, but like also... Stephen King was the director of Maximum Overdrive. I haven't watched it. Actually, that movie was kind of dope. <laughs> I haven't King seen it, so... Stephen King movies he's, are fun. He's fine. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally excited because I'm like, I'm a fan of that stuff. Yeah. Like, that was my, I got, I, yeah, that was like my first really big horror movie that I was like, yes, I want to know more. I want to watch more. That I, was a good movie. I fucking bought the audiobook. I bought the book because I'm ADHD and I can't sit, but I can sit and read if I have something telling me. I would love for the second one to be as good as the first. I do too. I have um, qualms about it. I look forward to being proved wrong. They had done re-releases of the first movie in the States, I think. And then at the end of it, they have like an eight-minute extra bonus scene from the second movie if you went to see it. And someone, because it's fucking 2019, someone brought in a camera, took a video, and I got to see the extra thing. And it's like the Chinese dinner scene. And so far, it looks good. The one thing I'm really worried about is James McAvoy's accent. Because mm. you don't hear a lot of it, but you're like... it. What? I love Bill Hader as Richie, though. I really love that. He's pretty funny. Bill Hader's good in everything. Yeah. Have you seen Barry? Not yet. You gotta see Barry. I have a list of things. Right now, my priority is wait for the 30th so that I can watch the Dark Crystal miniseries, because that is that is a thing that I really want to watch. Checks out. Dark Crystal was my childhood, and I was not born in the 80s. So, are you familiar, by the way, with the band Pavement? No. Oh, Pavement are great. Okay, I'll listen to them. I am, um... I don't know that I understood during the 90s how big of a footprint Pavement were going to have on indie rock. Like, a lot of alternative bands did better than Pavement. Yeah. Most alternative bands did better than Pavement. Mm -hmm. Pavement did not do well commercially. But what they were but, good, like. Yeah. Yeah. But their fingerprints are on a lot of indie and punk bands mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Including McCafferty. I'm not saying this for no reason because I like Pavement. It's a plural message. Have you heard Pavement? There's a Pavement-y yeah. vibe. To this record, like mm -hmm. the kind of ramshackle quality, yeah. the playfulness of it, mm -hmm. his singing style, a little. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I can see that. There aren't a lot of bands that are trying to sound like, for example, Nirvana or Pearl Jam uh, working. They were much bigger bands, but for some reason, Pavement was the band that the 21st century worth of indie bands chose to emulate. Because everyone was like, oh, well, everyone's going to emulate Nirvana and yeah. have that. Like, I feel like. Look at grunge in the 90s and everything's going to sound... Well, not everything's going to sound the same, but a lot of songs sound fairly similar. Even one of... It's not a band, but it's like a comedy group. Uh, Radio Free Festivals. Yeah. They're wonderful. They have, like, the first song on their album of, like, sketches and shoes and something. I can't remember. It's the grunge song. And it's, like, really soft, beginning, intense chorus. Yeah. And that's literally, like, a lot of the songs from yeah. the 90s, in my Me opinion. Meanwhile, Pavement are just doing, like, casual, lo-fi. I love that. Uh, Semi-acoustic indie punk. Which is cool. And, and like, similar to the 20 years worth of bands later. Yeah. It's an old saw that 
like 10,000 people bought the first Velvet Underground record, but 100% of those people later formed a band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's... <laughs> and it feels like, yeah, it's part of that. And I hope that that makes um, Stephen Malkmus smile. Yeah. But it's equally likely to make him angry. <laughs> Stephen Malkmus was a prickly dude with a complicated relationship with the music industry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from what I gather. <laughs> There's every chance that if this was pointed out to him, you go, well, they should sound like themselves. You're not wrong, but take a compliment. Yeah. Um, Beck is the other one from the 90s that all indie bands from like 2004 on decided that they needed to sound a little bit like. Harkening back to the Beck episode, like, he did something that was out there and like wild and not seen before. And yeah, and and he got lots of recognition for it. And I don't know, like, okay, you can say that McCafferty has songs that sound like other things, but the way they do it and the lyrics and the songs are out there. And like I said, I've listened to a lot of varieties of music, and I haven't seen it before in any of my music. Yeah, this sounds very personal. It's like I'm literally sitting there, and like, okay, as much as we make fun of, like, that college guy who plays guitar, I feel like this is that thing, except they're screaming at me. (laughs) Which I'm not against, because there's, like, probably 20 other people in the room. But it's just, like, I want... I really want to see them live. I'm going to start stalking them and see if they come live. And start bullying them and be like, come to Calgary. Come to Calgary. They do have a widget on their website where you can request that they come to your town. Calgary! <laughs> just, we'll just spam that. Guys, spam it, please. <laughs> um, yeah, and it does. It sounds it sounds very personal. It sounds like they're following the whims of a very specific creative impulse mm-hmm. without thinking too hard about how that's going to connect. Like, it's such a cliche that indie bands are only doing it for ourselves, man. And if anybody wants to enjoy it, that's fine with me. But you genuinely feel Shut up, you fucking hipster. You genuinely feel like if these guys were still... I think that's why they're not upset that they're not popular. Yeah, like if they were still working... They take four years to release an album, and they don't care. That album is getting released, it is happening, and then... It's out in the world now, and people can do what they want with it. Yeah, if these guys are and all still working... And suddenly it's a TikTok in, trend. <laughs> if these guys are all um, still working day jobs in 10 years and making music in their free time, I love you have the impression that they would be fine with it. Yeah. I would enjoy that too. They'd probably enjoy it less. I'm sure they have mortgages that they would love to pay. I'm sure that were they to hit the fluke indie hit lottery... No. ...where they got used in a high-profile commercial... Oh no, not this again! <laughs> or, this is how indie bands make money. Uh, <laughs> Maybe a YouTube viral trend. TikTok. Yeah. But TikTok was also, when the Beach Boys song was a trend on TikTok was when people still made fun of TikTok of actually being a thing. And that was in like June. Now we're all like, shit, this is an actual fun app with funny things on it. Yeah. TikTok's going to do fine because we all made fun of Vine also until they took Vine away and then everyone was furious. Just, Vine is so stupid. Vine is so shitty. Vine is a shitty <laughs> app for stupid people. And then they took away Vine. How dare you take away my stupid app for shitty people? <laughs> I'm that shitty person. <laughs> it's my stupid app. <laughs> I need to watch a man in a Batman mask parent his children. <laughs> and only Vine will give me this. I only want to watch him parent for nine seconds at a time. Well, with TikTok, it's 60 seconds is like the most. And it's a lot of lip syncing to things and people just make funny captions to it. But, like, even then, it's funny. And, like, as someone who has TikTok, I don't have an account, which is my reasoning of, like, I don't like TikTok. I'm different. I'm not like but other you girls. Still watch TikTok. <laughs> but I still watch TikTok because you don't need an account to watch it. <laughs> you can download the app and just go through the For You page, and it's just random shit. Man. Now, is that <laughs> part of your upbringing and growing up experience? 
is that if something sucks, you have to pretend that you don't enjoy it. It doesn't suck. God, I love being a 90s kid. You just make fun of something shitty and then listen to it anyway. Yeah. It's the shittiest thing. <laughs> this, is, this is stupid. I'm going to listen to it to make fun of it later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to listen to it to um make sure that it's as stupid as I think it is and have valid points of why it is stupid. It's important that you know. But like, It has to be carefully researched. Watch all of the TikToks. <laughs> but like the thing is, because I don't have an account, I have to basically make... Like, I have to scroll through. There's some that have, like, lots of reach and lots of people have seen it and they're actually really funny. And then there's just random shit that I don't want to see. Like, because part of the big fun that people made of TikTok was it was a thing that a lot of, like, 40-year-olds used, too. Which was, one, terrifying because there was also young children on it. And, two, kind of gross because they were not, uh, it was it was a thing that people didn't like. <laughs> oh, God. It was just a thing that people didn't like. And, like, I that's imagine. disappeared. But it's like, now it's college students making fun of their student loans and their depression. All right. But again, with that, it's a big hit or miss. Haha, <laughs> another TikTok thing. <laughs> it's another TikTok trend. But it's like, the reason I don't have an account is because it's like, with the not having an account, it just shows you a lot of the more popular stuff. And with that, it's one hit wonders. 90% of the time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. One hit wonders. And it's just, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> you should just start an account. No. And then never produce anything. No. That's what Chelsea does on Twitter. I don't, I I don't even have a Twitter. I think she's tweeted like four things. Good, it's full of Nazis. Is that <laughs> someone who's on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to let Nazis chase me off Twitter. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I've got dick jokes to make. <laughs> no, that's what Tumblr's I got, for. I, I got a cyberbully conservative politicians. Unblock me! I got a second account for gushing about music. And then if I'm in a good mood, I will log into my music account. And then if I'm in a bad mood... I will suffer bully politicians. <laughs> if I'm good at mood, I will also suffer bully politicians. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, no, I don't think I could do that. It's interesting. Like, bands yeah. <laughs> are now counting on viral trends now. Yeah. It's weird. It's viral. Well, I don't think they're counting on viral trends. They're just like, fucking whatever. Go ahead. Use my song for this. Yeah, but I mean, like. Because Falling in Reverse, they were like, do, uh, why do good girls go for bad guys? But realistically, they... this is a small scale lo-fi family acoustic punk band That's a good point. that releases a record every four years. Mm -hmm. If they were not part of a TikTok fad, you would not know this band. No one would know this band. Untrue. I would know this the band. The TikTok trend. But the TikTok trend made me more aware to that yeah. these songs were on the same album, I should listen to it. But like the TikTok thing is what got Spotify to program them more aggressively into their algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Like, this is what it is. It's high-profile uh, festival appearances. Yeah. <laughs> it's viral trends. Yeah. It's commercials. Yeah. Welcome to the state of the music industry. In I hate that. I really hate that, because I'm a musician. Sure, okay, but, like, previous to that, it was radio programmers and how much money your record label was going to put behind you. You know so what? there was no period where this was pure. If anything, the way we do it now democratizes it in a way that anybody could be popular. It just democratizes it in the weirdest fucking way that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. You know, I think, personally, like, talking about going back to, like, being a radio DJ, if I do get that job at the Lethbridge University Radio, I am going to put McCafferty on. And not, like, Beach Boy, because everyone knows Beach Boy. I'll probably put on, like, Dead Bird or yeah. Lion's Den. Those are the two that I think I could put on and get away with and still have people want to know more. On a college station? Yeah. You can play anything you damn well please. Well, yes, but I feel like for me, it's like if I'm sharing music, it's because I want people to listen to them more. So I'll give them the songs that I think pull them in the best. 
That makes sense. And, like, of course, Beach Boy will pull them in as a single, and people will be like, oh, it's that TikTok song. But I feel like if you get the non-singles that actually are, like, the hidden gems, like The Lion's Den and Dead Bird, you're like, oh, hey, this is, like, more than just some TikTok trend. Yeah. It's actually good music. It's an actual band who's done actual music and are actually good. Yeah. Would you watch these guys play live? Yeah. In a festival setting or in an underground club? Ooh, back to that question. Yeah. Because um, this time, like, for this band, it feels hard. It is. I could do both. Yeah. I think I'd still prefer underground club. Yeah. Because with me, I am very personal with my music, and I would really, I like the person, like, okay, Billy Talent, so many people there. A lot of, like, experience. Queens of the Stone Age, so many people there. Really good music, and, like, just a whole thing. Eden affected me more, and that's not, like, okay, no, I should do Metric and Eden. Metric versus Eden. Eden, small, like, the Vogue Theater isn't that big. It's big enough to hold a lot of people, which it did. But, like, it was still, like, personal enough that it was kind of like an underground pub versus Metric, which was at the Coke stage. I've grown up with Metric. I have a lot of good memories with it. I still would have preferred to see them in an underground club. Yeah, but Metric feels more like an underground club band. Yeah. With these guys, or with a Billy Talent, or with a Fall Out Boy. Yeah. I could see them the, playing at a festival. The communal experience of 4,000 other people singing the along. Singing along yeah. with you. Brings it, its own energy? Yeah, and, it, like, that's why it's a hard question, because yeah. I can see both, though personally I do prefer the hundred or so people singing along to the point where I can still hear the musician, I can still hear myself, and I can hear everyone else instead of just being able to hear everyone else in the festival setting, and to the point where it's like I can maybe look the musician in the eye and show them with my emotions that I love their music. That's a more valuable thing to me than going to a festival. And then climb up on stage. Okay, I can't be like you. (laughs) I climb up on stage now, by the way, listeners at home. It's new. Um, (laughs) (laughs) At least like five, seven people and then Chris. Yeah, my 40s have been the decade in which I stage invade. Um, And not getting shit for it. It's been (laughs) great. And not getting shit for it. You know what? I'll be honest. It never occurred to me to do so up until now. I don't have the... I went from shitty 17-year-old in the middle of a mosh pit, gradually further back through the crowd to aging punk at the back with a beer. (laughs) But we've had some seats close to the front, and people charged the stage and went for it and would heartily recommend it. As long as it's like a thing of like other people are doing it, for me it's a peer pressure thing. If other people do it... Yeah, you gotta wait to be prompted. Yeah. If there's that one crazy person that will charge the stage, and then other people are like, oh, let's charge the stage too, and they don't get kicked off, I'll be like, leap. Yeah. Slide myself onto the stage. That first guy is providing a vital public service. Yes. Because if they charge the stage and security bring them the fuck down. We all know not <laughs> to all do right, that. We're done. He's getting manhandled. Oh, they banged him into a wall. Another, okay, so like another thing of going to the like concerts of like who you'd rather see live at a festival versus who you'd rather see in an underground thing. Calpurnia. I got to see them when they came to Calgary back nice. in April, which was like a wonderful experience because I actually genuinely love their music and also seeing Wolfhart so close that I could almost touch him was pretty cool. Especially since he's like in Calgary right now, which is freaky because he's shooting for the Ghostbuster. But like for them, it's like them I'd actually really love to go see in a festival because there's like so many other people that you can expose their music to. Like they did uh, Lollapalooza, I think, which is like pretty big. Nice. A lot of my favorite bands this year did Lollapalooza, like Dreamers too. Yeah, Lollapalooza looks good this year. Yeah. Not that I would. I, I really wish I could go, go to something like that, but yeah. I think that's more of like a late 20s for me. Yeah. yeah. Wait until you graduated. 
part of my bucket list as cheesy as the sound is a uh, going to Coachella for one year. And for the music, not the drugs. <laughs> sure. Because personally, I'm here for the music. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> yeah, I keep threatening to go to Glastonbury. Ooh. Right? Yeah. It'd be a good show. Yeah. It'd be a four-day show. I mean, it's nothing against Coke Stage. Like, Coke Stage is always fun. Yeah. But, like, one, that's really expensive. And two, it's, like, it's semi-popular artists. Artists that have, like, had really big stuff but are less super popular now. Like, we don't get Billy Eilish at the Coke Stage. Yeah, no. It's uh, it's artists on their way up or at a plateau. Yeah. King Princess. King Princess is popular now, but she's not super big. No. No. Like I said, on her way up. On her way up. Metric, plateau. <laughs> yeah. I, Death Cab for Cutie is also plateau. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, I only know one of their songs. That's fair. <laughs> Death Cab are so good. Well, I know two songs, and one of them's random, so. No, Death Cab for Cutie are so fun. And they're a fun life. I didn't get to see them. I when enjoyed I was that show. NBC. Yep. I coke stage the heck out of the coke stage this year. Yeah, it's nice. So, this week in um, things that you want to shout along to while listening to McCafferty. Yeah. That Andy's parents would probably not want her to. Hey, 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 adult now. I'm moving. Ago. I'm moving. Just blowing <laughs> up your spot over here. Thousand people screaming, get drunk, get fucked up. Yeah. During Brit Rock. Yeah. Would make for a great festival experience. That would be a great time. Uh, I hope I crash and die tonight in an alligator skin <laughs> That No, so funny story about that line. That was uh, the first time I was, I showed the album to my dad. We got to alligator skin boots. And I was, like, that one was one I was most nervous about because that one's the most vulgar about the harsh truths about the world. Like, the rest of them are, like, they talk about it. But it's, like, with happier melodies, with alligator skin boots, it's, like, you are going to feel sad listening to this song. Yeah. You are going to feel upset. And then you hear, get crash and die, or, like, alcoholics aren't good for a ride or whatever it's talking about like drinking and driving and then you're like holy shit they said that and dad literally stopped and like was like what the fuck mind you again that was the first song of theirs i'd ever heard and that piqued the idea of hmm, maybe i should listen to them some more yeah you can't learn young enough yeah that life is Fucking weird. Cruel yeah. and arbitrary. Yeah. And if your parents aren't going to destroy you... <laughs> Cars will! You need... That's why I don't have my license. It's probably the best. Yeah. Man. Other lyrics. People should not drive drunk. No. Have I been in a car where the driver was drunk? I have certainly been in a car where the driver was drunk. I haven't. Have I been that driver? No. Because I'm a responsible person. But only to a point. Because I've definitely drunk and agreed to take a ride. We were talking someone? about how you're like, I'm more responsible when I'm drunk to keep myself safe. No, I, I said I'm more careful to not drop things. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm too drunk to make my way home. Oh, I'll give you a ride home. Thank you. And then wake up the next morning. Wait, you were also drunk? Why the fuck did I get into your car? <laughs> so this is the great thing that the university is only 20 minutes from me. That's probably for the best. It's good yeah. stumbling distance. Yeah. Good stumbling distance across a park with an actual lake in it. Also, maybe don't drink that much. Yeah. Use classes tomorrow. Uh, you gotta be a responsible person. What are you talking about? My classes start at 9. I love, I love my school schedule. My earliest class is 9 a.m. My latest class ends at 1.20. And then I have choir practice on Mondays and Wednesdays at, like, 4. But, like, otherwise, like, I have all afternoon. It makes me so happy. Nice. Yeah. It's a pretty good schedule. Yeah. They're all, like, pushed together in a small thing, yep. which was a smart idea for my dad. He was like, do it in a block, otherwise the long breaks are going to kill you. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, the long breaks wipe you I've out. Had, I've had a spare in school. It sucks. More, <laughs> more college students skip classes because they have a long break that they never really get back from. 
than for any other reason in this life. I don't... What about a tutorial? They skip a tutorial because it's a tutorial. But for me, it's like, the one tutorial I have is music theory, and I am right shit at music theory. Oof. That's true. Egg. <laughs> but I guess that's 45. Yeah. We've talked a lot about McCafferty. I really today. love this album. It's so good. Yeah. It's really good. Thank you for bringing it to me. Yes. I'm going to close the episode as I tend to by answering three questions. I am going to listen to this again. Yeah. I am going to listen to their next one. I think I, I'll, I'll, I'll give the next one a chance. Yeah. I haven't yet because I didn't want it to pollute my opinion on this one. Yeah. We are going to close tonight on the song Wait. Nice. Those are the three questions. Yeah. This has been the soundtrack to a life. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast. SoundtrackCast.com. Light up us. Share us. Rate us, review us, bully the acoustic punk band McCafferty into coming to Calgary. Please, uh, please. <laughs> on social media, have the show be on a Wednesday and have it happen during the school year so that Andy can't go. No, don't do that. I will go no. with her parents. No. And we will text her photographs from the show that she desperately wishes no, you know up. what? If that happens, fuck it. I'm not going to my classes the next day. I will go to that. Sorry, Mom and Dad, but if they come to Calgary, I am coming to that show. You cannot stop me. How will you get here? By bus. We'll be in Lethbridge. This $50 bus ride ticket, man. All right. All right. It's worth it. Plug your pluggables. Andy Band on uh, Bandcamp and also the Andy Band on Instagram. Also, check out GRCC as a time of recording. That's starting up this year, and I'm a mentor. But it's a wonderful camp for uh, girls and non-binary and trans people who want to be in the music scene. And it's only a week long, and it's super amazing, and you make lots of friends. You should do that if you're a young person who likes punk rock. Yes. Calgary is a city with a deceptively excellent all-ages punk scene, and it always has been. And the reason for that is because the older kids teach the younger kids how to punk rock before they fuck off to go to university. So congratulations on playing both parts of that yeah. in your life now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fun part for me. And if you're in Lethbridge... Hit me up. Tell me where the good shows are. Tell her what's good. Yes. We will see you in another two weeks for a different person talking about a different piece of music. You have a good night. Wait!